Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I see the Seem fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 256. Ugh. Ugh. The th- ugh. You know when you have thoughts on your mind and you can pretend they're not there and just talk about something else, but you've got to get your thoughts out because that's what you want to talk. Well, maybe in polite conversation, you do hold things in. You go, you know, I don't need to bring this up at the dinner table, but this isn't the dinner table. This is my podcast where I tell you either what happened to me this week or what my thoughts are on anything. And I've got thoughts, but I don't feel like expressing them. One of them I'm scared to. One of them I'm truly just scared of the people involved. But I do want to comment on something going on in culture. And two, I'm just annoyed. But that's what this podcast is. It's, 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 it is what it is, right? So, so we'll, we'll talk honestly and we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. This episode is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. And we have a new sponsor, Trip Actions. Ooh, I love travel stuff. Little Virgo in me loves organizing. The comedian in me loves travel. Anyway. <sighs> so. Where do I begin? Well, let's get some business out of the way. If you go, uh, oh, oh my God, wait, this is exciting. This is exciting. My merchandise is here. There is I Seem Fun merchandise. There's more being made. Some of it's a little bit more related to quotes from my stand-up, which is fine, but it's mainly a podcast merchandise. Private jokes from the podcast. But I realize I don't have to be so precious about it. I have cool merchandise ideas I could sell, and I don't have to drag shit on the road with me to do it. So 
there's going to be more stuff coming. Like I'm going to take my, uh, so here it is. If everybody goes to my website, jenkirkman.com, click shop, pop my peas, click shop and go just click shop. You'll be there. And I work with a great company called T Public, and it helps every time you buy something from there, you are supporting uh, an, an individual, an indie designer. And what I love about this company is, so let's say there's a design, like there's an I Seem Fun shirt, and then there's a shirt that says I Hate Fun, and then there's uh, the thing from my stand-up, the little stick figure that says I'm just a soul trapped in a body. Each design comes as a million different things. You can get it as a t-shirt, as a hoodie, as a crew neck shirt, as a long sleeve shirt, as a child's apparel wear, a mug, a tote bag, a pillowcase, a pillow, an iPod case. So if you like a design, but you don't necessarily want it on a t-shirt, you can get it on a million other things. I think I explained that. And so right now, those, those are the... And then... <laughs> As requested, people were like, how about a picture of your sister's cat mittens? I made it happen. I tried to make it funny. It's a picture of mittens sitting in a bale of hay. And it says, hey, girl. <laughs> H-A-Y. Get it? Get it? But there's going to be other things coming. So remember my necklace necklace line. We're not going to have necklaces, but the uh, over 40, you know, that's going to be a shirt. And I think that'd be fun. And then uh, this thing from my stand-up that I actually I said years ago in my stand-up. Girls will be girls. We discussed that last week. I'm going to make a shirt that says girls will be girls. And uh, there's a couple other ones coming. I forget what they say. Oh, feminist AF. But I'm going to put small in parentheses under the AF and fun. Because it's like a little nod to the podcast. So cool stuff is coming. And then, um, yeah, so hopefully that'll be all uploaded soon. But if you just go to jenkirkman.com, click shop. In the um, bio on my, at I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter, my Twitter account, facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast, in the bio of all those is also the link to shop. And of course, you can join the secret I Seem Fun Facebook group. It is not secret, but it's closed so that no one else who's your friend in real life on Facebook can see what you're writing in the I Seem Fun closed group. Again, if you go to facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast, Right there, pinned to the top of the page, is the link that you can click to get on in that group. So there's some business. Go to iTunes, give this show five stars. That's right, five. Don't give me four, you fuck. And leave an earnest review if you want. And if you don't want, then you can just write, this is my earnest review. Um, Yeah, and I'm part of the All Things Comedy Network. Go to allthingscomedy.com and you can listen to a lot of other podcasts that are also being done by comedians. What else can I tell you? I don't know. I think that's it. I guess the show's over. Bye. Um, so, yeah, so that's cool. Now, Brooklyn, I'm going to need y'all to get your tickets. It's it's my last big show of the year. Now, I'm I'm not just saying this as a threat, but my agent was like, you've played like 10 giant shows in New York this year. I'm like, I know. He's like, we got to like not go back to New York for a little while. Like even if I'm in New York for whatever I might be doing, jobs, other things. Uh, there's going to be no big show, really, in 2019. I'm going to have to wait until, like, the fall. So, you know, I think now's the time to come see me at the Bell House. And I've got new things to say. It's the night before midterms. I know you're like, but I don't, I can't get out of work. Just leave work early. Just get out of there. It's at 730. 
at the Bell House. And uh, yeah, I mean, normally when I put things on sale at the Bell House, it seats 350. I'll sell like 250 tickets right away. And then, you know, like a couple of days before the show, the rest sell out. But this time it's only selling like 100-ish tickets. So I want you guys really please, 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 can you get tickets in advance and come? Um, and it was going to be 25 online and then 30 at the door. But I asked them to lower it to just 25 Period, flat rate, end of story. Um, so even if you show up at the door, the tickets will still be the same price, which isn't the usual thing. So I did that for you. Anything to get asses in seats, just get your butts in the damn seats. And if you're like, but I saw you a bunch already. Well, just come enjoy it. The energy's fucking off the charts at the Bell House. If you've never seen me at the Bell House, do yourself that favor and just enjoy the awesome people that come to those things. Like, honestly, just come for that. And if you haven't seen me, it's a fucking great place to start. So I know most of my podcast listeners are in New York, and I know there's more than 350 of you. That's how we have these fabulous advertisers because so many listeners. So get your ass out there, people. Come on again. What is it? What is this? Pretend I'm Amy Schumer. Pretend I'm Ali Wong. Fucking sell me out, bitch. Okay. Sneezing in public is not a conversation starter. Does anyone feel me on this? Who's feeling me? I don't want to make it too gendered, but of course, as a woman, when I sneeze, no, it's actually not. I was going to say dudes do it, but it was just the last time it happened. It was like a, it was a dude, but actually I remember a woman did it to me too. So never mind. But it's always the worst. Like, I, first of all, I hate what sneezing implies. And I don't know why I'm very defensive about allergies. I don't have allergies. I'm not saying I'm better than you. It's just a thing I don't have. What I do have that other people have, whatever those things are, I'll discuss it all day long. I'm happy to be a human among humans, a person with the same problems everyone else has, physically, mentally, emotionally, of course. I'm not trying to be unique up in here. But what I don't have, I don't have. And I hate the basic the basicosity of when someone sneezes and they're in their ear, nose, and throat doctor's office that the other people sitting there are like, allergies, huh? No, I just sneezed. Sometimes you sneeze. I had the devil in me. Just bless me and move on. You know, it just, I don't know why. Even when I had my sphenoid sinus surgery. I kept going, it's not the sinuses in the front. Because you know what it is? I'm not trying to be better than or different than anyone. I'm trying to avoid small talk about a thing that I don't have where I'm just like, yeah, you're going to start telling me your stories of sinus infections. I've never had one. I'm not talking about that. It's a different sinus. It's located in a different area. It is a symptomless thing for the most part. I know I'm being a bitch. I know I'm being a bitch. It's what I'm being right now. I'm being a bitch. I'm being a big fat bitch. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know what's happening. (sighs) The joy I feel at the dread I feel about the upcoming topics is what's happening. So... Anyways, but yeah, so I was at my ears and I was was there because we're following up because I had the surgery this year and he just likes to stick the little camera up my left nostril, which he never used to be able to get it down because it was blocked by um, 
a deviated septum, but no, I didn't get a nose job. People can have deviated septums and have them fixed without it, without it changing the outside appearance of your nose. So he puts the camera up. He's like, oh my God, it looks so good. It's all clear in there. Blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, so I was just there for my, you know, we're just micromanaging the post-surgery life. Um, and, uh, yeah, sneezed in the, in the uh, lobby, not the lobby, the seating area, waiting room. And I'm like on my phone returning emails. And I sneeze and this guy goes, bless you. And that's what I hate. I don't mind people saying bless you. I'm not offended. I'm not going to sit there and go, who's God are you blessing me with? I don't care. It's just, it's this acknowledgement that another human just had an involuntary moment. It is actually very strange. Like it does originate from people thinking you had the devil in you. Um, but you know, it's just one of those moments where it's like, ah, it's like the word namaste, like the light in me, um, recognizes the light in you. You know, it's like saying, Hey human, I'm human. It's happened to me. Bless you. Hey brother, what's up? You know, all that jazz. All that jazz. That jazz. That wasn't good at all. And all that jazz. <laughs> We're doing it like that. And all that jazz. And all that jazz. All right. Where does saying bless you come from originate? So, but then, but the thing is, is that when someone says bless you or whatever they want to say, then you make eye contact and say thank you. And then the other person takes it as an invitation to start talking. No, 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 no. This is the conversation. A sneeze, which admit, I admit I started, but I didn't mean to. And then you said bless you, which recognizes that I involuntarily did a thing. And it's your way of saying sorry. Sorry that happened to you. And I say thank you. And we're done. There's no back and forth, back and forth. Ugh, allergies? No. Nope. Ugh, the weather. No, just shut up. Who cares? Who cares? I don't have what you have. We're not bonding right now. Oh, this is where it comes from. Oh. My ear got itchy. Okay, this is what... Well, if the website could load... This is what people.howstuffworks.com, this is their explanation. Wishing someone well after they sneeze probably originated, why don't what probably, thousands of years ago. The Romans would say, Jupiter preserve you or salve, which meant good health to you. Well, I like that. And the Greeks would wish, wish each other a long life. The phrase, God bless you, is attributed to Pope Gregory the Great, who uttered it in the 6th century during, during a bubonic plague epidemic. Sneezing is an obvious symptom of one form of the plague. The exchangeable term Gesundheit comes from Germany and it literally means health. The idea is that a sneeze typically precedes illness. It entered the English language in the early part of the 20th century, brought to the United States by German-speaking immigrants. Well, I like that. I like that. 
I don't know why we don't say it after a cough. I guess because a cough, you're already sick. I really thought that sneezing, I swear, during the, you know, dark ages, that people thought sneezing meant you were momentarily possessed by the devil. And I don't see why that's not just as plausible of an explanation as anything, especially for someone who doesn't have allergies. Oh, here it is. Okay, it's uh, all I need to do is shut the fuck up and keep reading. Um, For the most part, the various sneeze responses originated from ancient superstitions. Some people believe that a sneeze causes the soul to escape the body through the nose. Well, that's ridiculous. Saying bless you would stop the devil from claiming the person's freed soul. Huh. You really think your soul... Well, first of all, I always picture my soul as the size of my body. It's not going to come out your nose, you dips. Others believed the opposite, that evil spirits use the sneeze as an opportunity to enter a person's body. Now, that makes more sense to me because when you're evil, an evil spirit, you can make yourself into anything you want. You can make yourself into a tiny, tiny little molecule and you can go into someone's nose and they sneeze. And then once inside the body, you're like, and then you expand to full size. And now you're a full size demon inside a full size person's body. And I think that is a very, very scientific explanation of what a sneeze actually is. There was also the misconception that the heart momentarily stops during a sneeze. It doesn't. And that saying bless you was a way of welcoming the person back to life. (laughs) You know what does happen when I sneeze? My eyes won't open. And if I'm driving and it's one of the longer sneezes, it's amazing how long three seconds can feel when you feel you do not have the power to reopen your own eyes. So sneezing is definitely, to me, it's a little bit otherworldly. Um... A sneeze can also be provoked by being outside in the sunlight. Yes, that always happens to me. I walk outside, I sneeze. I pluck my eyebrows, I sneeze. But this all leads me to a great article that somebody alerted me to that was going around on the Twitter about small talk and the beautiful, wonderful people of Finland who ain't having that shot. But, ugh. What did I do with it? I ha oh man. I put it aside. I put it aside to read to you guys. And now I can't fucking find it. Are you kidding me? It must be here somewhere. Oh, here it is. Okay, this is from the BBC.com. Oh, I love it so much. It brought me back to when I went to Sweden and You know, when I'm in other countries, I do tend to chit-chat with strangers more. I like Australia because I feel like they keeps it real. Um, When you're like, they say, how are you going? Which I love. I don't know. It's less annoying to me than how are you doing? Because how are you going to me is just sort of like you can just answer whatever because I don't really even understand the question. Um, how are you doing? There's just this automatic reaction to like make everything okay for everyone. Don't really tell them how you feel. <laughs> I'm great. You know, how you go? Oh, how you going? You're just like, I don't even know what you just said. So you're just like, oh, I don't know. My dog just ran away. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I had a dog once. My father showed him in the face, thought he was a kangaroo. And you're like, all right, that was a fun exchange. You know, that's Australia. It's just random. It's random. Oh my, I miss it so much. I miss it. I haven't been in so long because it's a fucking job. <laughs> I just, the people of Australia are just, they're just some of my favorite people on earth. They're a constant trip. 
And I just walk around there. And I know everyone from Australia is like, we're not like Crocodile Dundee. Yes, you are. Do, you all are. Women, men, the greatest intellects. Everyone there is Crocodile Dundee. There is just such a lack of urgency there. And just all right. Like you grew up with spiders that can kill you. You have a different mentality than us. There is just no neurotic Australians. There just aren't. Um, I mean, there are, of course. I'm generalizing an entire nation. But they're so much more like Crocodile Dundee than they think they are. But God bless. God bless you. Achoo. Um. Oh, man, is it the fucking best. All right. Anyway, how the Finnish survive without small talk. So, oh, yes. Yeah, so when I was in Sweden, I was getting, you know, a coffee or a scone or whatever I'm doing. I go, hi. And then it would just automatically come out of my mouth and go, how you doing? And they go, hey. <laughs> That's it. Hey. And even then they're just like, ugh, don't even make me say, hey. No small talk in Sweden. Not even random talk either. It's just like no talk. And I'm like, yes. Yes. I might hate it if I was like hanging out with someone Swedish and I felt like they were being cold or like not a good conversationalist, but I'll deal with that one-on-one. As far as like nobody bothering me, and it's like, how are we doing today? Let me know if you need anything. And then four more people say that to you. I'm like, did you not just hear your coworker say the same thing? Leave me alone. No, I'm not going to let you know if I need anything. I'm going to go on the ground and I'm going to poop my pants and I'm going to roll around going, oh, I don't know what to do. I know. I've been in stores longer than you've been alive. I know to ask if I need anything. Like, just enough with the, we don't need words all the time. Shut the fuck up, everybody. Okay. Whew. I love this article. BBC.com, how the Finnish survive without small talk. And guys, Americans listening, just dream of this world. I don't know if it's possible in our country. I think it's too late. But let's just dream of how beautiful this must be. Uh, this is an article by a woman named Laura Dudaris. Uh, I met my now best friend Hannah a few years ago during my first visit to Helsinki on a coffee date set up out of desperation. Without any acquaintances in the city, I just wanted someone to sit next to in public. And given our tenuous work connection, she fitted the bill. Our drink quickly turned into dinner. Wrapping up four hours later after doing deep dives on politics, religion, sex, and the life, sex and life, the kind of topics that usually take friends years to address. Well, I don't know who your friends are, but I don't have friends like that. If you don't get into that stuff right away with me, then I ain't got time for your friendship. Uh, a, a year later, I flew back to be a bridesmaid at her wedding, still shocked at how fast we forged a connection. Laura, she told me matter-of-factly when I asked why we had bonded so quickly, the Finnish don't believe in talking bullshit. What she neglected to tell me, however, is that Finns think if there's no important topic to discuss, there's no conversation at all. In fact, one of their national sayings is silence is gold, talking is silver. Yes. Small talk outside social situations between close friends is virtually non-existent. Interactions with baristas, limited to the name of the coffee you want to order. Yep, I've experienced it. It's fucking beautiful. And guess what? It's not rude. So everyone who's going to write in, you're just rude. No, you're, you're not worldly. That's what it is. Um, 
Sitting, walking, or standing in a way that requires acknowledging a stranger's presence? Never. A meme featuring people standing outside a bus shelter rather than under it is an often posted joke in Finland to illustrate this point. If you're a foreigner, congratulations. You're probably the loudest person on their often voluntarily silent public transport. With two million saunas in the country, which are enjoyed fully nude, the Finnish seem to have no problem with getting up close and personal. But when clothes are on, the bets are off. Finnish people often forego the conversational niceties that are hard-baked into the other cultures and typically don't see the need to meet foreign colleagues, tourists, and friends in the middle. As Tina Letvala, a, formish, a former English instructor in Sodankla, Lapland, explained, part of her job was to introduce her young students to the concept of small talk. No! No! Why you have to, Don't bring... Don't export our garbage everywhere, people! Fuck! We had a practice where you had to pretend to meet someone for the first time, Vala said. You had to pretend you were meeting at the cafe or on a bus and that you didn't know each other and do a bit of chit-chat. We had written on the whiteboard all the safe topics so they didn't have to struggle with coming up with something to talk about. We brainstormed. They usually found it really difficult. An 18-year-old Finnish student in Helsinki recalls similarly formatted exercises with an air of incredulity. Oh my God, I can't say the word. You know the word I'm talking about. I-N-C-R-E-D-U-L-I-T-Y. I literally am just having a brain day. She was incredulous. Uh, Thanks to television and films, which are mostly broadcast in English, she was already acquainted with non-Finnish communication styles. Even still, she had to endure a series of connect-the-dot-style homework assignments. They're about basic conversation, she explained. The answers are already there. We are taught to answer, I'm great. How about you? How is your mom? It was very clear to be in a conversation as if we didn't already know. It was very weird as if there were right answers to the questions. And that's what I hate about small talk. You don't really want to know who I am because if I tell you, you'd be quiet. You're weird. No, I. you asked me how I am. I'm telling you, I'm a complex mix of conflicting emotions. And most days, I really just feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't know who to be or how to be. Okay, I just asked you how you were. You have to get all into that. Well, that's what how are you is is a gateway to. Unless you think there's a right answer, and that right answer would be fine. How are you? Which in that case, why bother? Sorry. When asked for an example of how she wishes Finnish society were more open, why? Why do these people not get how fucking lucky they are? She gave the example of doing something ridiculous, like dropping her books in the metro and then laughing at herself. She says she wishes that strangers would join her in acknowledging the silliness of the situation by laughing or commenting. But that's not something they've been taught. Well, I don't want people to laugh with me if I drop a book. It's like I want them to move on. And I don't want to have to sit there if I'm not in a laughing mood and not even in a bad mood. Just like don't feel like exerting the energy. Like, yeah, you dropped your book. Like, get over it. Who cares? Oh, my God. There are more hypotheses than answers for why Finnish culture has a veil of silence permanently stitched in place. Latvala believes their trademark directness has something to do with the complexity of the Finnish language and the fairly large distance between cities. Her reasoning, if you've traveled any distance to see someone, why waste time? 
However, Professor Laura Colby, who teaches European history at the University of Helsinki, sees the topic through a comparative lens. The Finns, she says, don't see their quietness or lack of small talk as a negative. Instead, every culture judges another on their social norms, hence the widespread stereotype of the silent Finn among more emotive nationalities. Now, here's the thing. I would rather sit in a conversation like when you go to Italy, it's like, it's like every stereotype. Like I fit in more with that. Like we're loud. We're talking over each other at dinner. I like that. It's just I don't want small talk in the streets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Italian in the sheets, small talk. Italian. <laughs> Wait. I don't know. Who cares? You get what I'm saying. The idea of silence has been especially prevalent where, when Finns were seen from the eyes of close neighbors. For example, when Swedish and German-speaking people came to Finland in the past, they saw Finns as silent citizens, wondering why the people didn't speak any Swedish or German and rather remained silent among their guests. Well, I can't believe Swedish people think Finnish people are quiet. Uh, maybe it's that Finnish people are actually more quiet and Swedish people not necessarily are quiet, but they just, they don't bullshit around. They're just like, hey. Um, when faced with expressing themselves in a second or third language, many often choose to not say anything rather than risk not being fully understood. Uh, however, when among their own, silence functions as an extension of comfortable conversation. It's an idea that's backed up by Dr. Anna Vatanen, a researcher at the University of Ulu, whose forthcoming study, Lapses in Interaction and the Stereotype of the Silent Finn, demonstrates that at least among their own, Finns do communicate through comfortable silence, particularly among familiars. When it comes to outsiders judging the stereotypically straightforward Finn, she warns that some nuances do get lost in translation. It's not about the structure or features of the language, but rather the ways in which people use the language to do things, she explained. For instance, the how are you question that is most often placed in the very beginning of an encounter. In English-speaking countries, it is mostly used just as a greeting and no serious answer is expected to it. On the contrary, the Finnish counterpart, Mita Kulu, can expect a real answer after it. Quite often, the person responding to the question starts to tell how his or her life really is at the moment, what's new and how they've been doing. But when Finns do opt out of casual conversation, says Carolina Corian, Cor whatever, author of Finnish Nightmares, a book and online comic series where an average Finn deals with life's most benign terrors, it also has something to do with respect. Why risk making someone else feel uncomfortable? I like to think Finnish people value personal space, she notes. If you don't know another person, you don't want to bother them. Men, are you listening? They might be having their own time or they don't want a stranger to come bother them. If you see they're open and you both are open, you can have something. But most of the time, people are polite and keep their distance. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's even gone international thanks to the unexpected spike in popularity of this woman's uh, comic book work. In China, there are teens there who don't enjoy social interactions who are describing themselves as spiritually Finnish. Oh my God, spiritually Finnish. How many of us in the I Seem Fun world identify as spiritually Finnish? <laughs> that might be the name of this episode. In some cases, though, Finnish society seems to be trending toward a marginally more open existence. No, stop the trend before you become American. However, it's happening slowly. Good. For 
Jussie Salonen, COO of Finnish chocolate company Gudio, living in Los Angeles for two years, made him wish he could import a bit more of the U.S.'s open spirit to his home country. No, oh my God, in Los Angeles, I live here. It's the most annoying of all. Shut the fuck up, you smiley fucks. When I was back in Finland, I was almost offended when I went to get a cup of coffee from a coffee shop and they didn't say anything. What? He's, he's literally describing a heaven and complaining about it. It was just, what do you want? Yeah, what do you want? It's a store. It's not a therapy. It's not a best friend counter. It's a store with the donuts. You want a donut. They're not going to ask anything before that. Oh, yeah, this is my home country. This is just the way things are. It's funny to notice how things got twisted a little bit when I was living over in America. I think a little bit of communication or small talk doesn't hurt. It hurts. It opens. It's a gateway. It's a gateway. Anyway, for now, leaves Finland one of the most interesting social dichotomies. Sure, you might not speak to people on the street, but if you're lucky, sometimes a stranger will instantly become a friend and tell you everything. That's ideal. What? Fucking people don't understand this? I don't get it. Anyway, I loved that article. I bet all of you were late, and that's why I love you guys. Oh my God, but if you sometimes you do need someone to talk to, but I think you don't go to the donut shop. You go to fucking my favorite sponsor, Talkspace. Oh my God, where have you guys been? We need you, Talkspace. We need you right now because it's almost the holidays. Are you there, I seem funners? Are you listening? Talkspace.com slash Jen. T A L K S P A C E dot com slash J E N one N and Jen. Thank you. Talkspace. It is the online therapy company. That lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. It means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. Go to Talkspace.com Jen and use offer code Jen at checkout. You're going to get $45 off of your first month. Guess what? You cannot fit anything else into your life right now. It is the holidays. It is deadlines at work. You got to get your kid their dumb costume. Now it's Thanksgiving. Now it's Christmas. Now it's Hanukkah. Then it's New Year's. Listen, you can make it work with Talkspace. Therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. And these are, of course, licensed therapists, the real deal people, not just just some people that are reading off a script. There's like real therapists that you would see in real life, except you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to worry if you don't have insurance. You don't have to sit and talk to someone face-to-face if you don't want. I mean, you can use the video options, but, but that's not what we're, we're talking about. Convenience, right? And, and you don't have to be some big wacko to go to therapy either. You don't have to feel like, oh, I don't have this like big, long history of traumatic events. So what? And if you do, you can, that's great. Now you can Work at it, you know, when you feel safe in the confines of your own home. But it can just be as simple as getting something off your chest, getting some tools under your belt for how to deal with your family this holiday season or friends or the fact that you're single or the fact that you wish you were single, but you're stuck with your husband or wife or whatever. Talk about anything, everyday challenges at work or home, chat about life, chat about bigger things, childhood issues, whatever. But there are no commutes, no leaving the office No judgments from anyone. Remember, therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's actually practical, everyday strategies, things you can actually do for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist just gives you a designated person 
for you to talk to. They are trained to listen and they can help you make positive changes. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges that we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com Jen and use the code Jen to get $45 off of your first month and show your support for this show. And I would love to welcome our new sponsor, our new sponsor, to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, a woman who travels and loves to stay organized, Trip Actions. Welcome to our new sponsor, Trip Actions. Here's what I want you guys to do. Go to tripactions.com slash fun. That's T-R-I-P-A-C-T-I-O-N-S dot com slash fun right now with me, right? Because you guys know I book my I book my own travel. I am booking planes, trains, automobiles, literally hotels. Uh, I do it all. I do it all. But, you know, you got 50 browsers open. You got this. You get the booking. Travel should be quick and easy. That's why Trip Actions provides access to a vast selection of flights, hotels, rental cars, rail options. It eliminates the need for you to sit around doing your own competitive shopping. This means that travelers always book happy and faster too, on average in under six minutes. Now, this is great for the business traveler. So here's the deal. Go to tripactions.com slash fun. If you attend a 30-minute demo, you're going to get a $100 Amazon gift card. A hundred bucks, people. But that's for this month only. So don't wait. So go to tripactions.com slash fun. Get a free demo, $100 Amazon gift card tripactions.com slash fun. So there's a reason that half of all business travelers do not use their company's chosen travel management platform. Oh my God, nobody ever does. It's like saying, well, I like when companies are like, you can call our resources hotline and talk to someone who can help you like with your therapy stuff. You're like, uh, no thanks. Like I got this, right? Booking business travel and just getting where you need to go is still in the hands of those people, ridiculously outdated, time-consuming, and costly. Trip Actions takes the pain out of corporate travel management with a complete solution that helps businesses save and keeps employees happy. So even if you're not the boss listening, you could recommend Trip Actions to your boss because it's the first travel management platform designed from the ground up with a road warrior in mind. Easy booking from an app or your desktop, 24-7 proactive support around the globe, and incentives for employees to save on travel expenses. Companies large and small see over 90% adoption, and they save up to 34% on travel when they use trip actions. So yeah, I mean, you know, your CEO is going to be super psyched if you're like, I actually know a way to book way cheaper travel. They're going to be like, what? You know, companies from Lyft to Sarah Lee's Frozen Bakery trust trip actions with their business travel. They reward travelers for saving company money and they'll reward you just for checking them out. Again, you get that $100 gift card, tripactions.com slash fun. But it's this month only. Now, uh, check it out. I, I was watching it. It was actually really fun to watch. Uh, there's so much to learn. And again, 
They have a seasoned and friendly support crew that is always one step or flight delay or early check-in ahead of the traveler. It is around-the-clock live support. You can rest assured that expert help is always a tap away. Um, this one woman said she's heard feedback from employees that a flight's been canceled and somebody has proactively helped them and they haven't had that assistance before. It's been really helpful. So, tripactions.com slash fun. Ah, so, you know, I talked last week, spent a bulk of the pot, a bulk. What is wrong with me? A bulk, a bulk. There's no good way to say that word. I spent a majority of the podcast talking about my beautiful weekend of comedy shows in Burlington, Vermont. And, you know, I think it was pretty much uh, the consensus that we all had a fucking great time. From the two sold out shows, the rest of the shows pretty close to it, people lining up to chat after, telling me their life stories, what they loved. Zero complaints, except from a college girl who reviewed my show. Here we go, young people. Oh, I tell you, I tell you, I'm trying, I'm trying to be diplomatic with you guys, but you're so fucking humorless. And not, and this isn't even an example of someone being politically incorrect. Like, I'm not even being Jerry Seinfeld going, what, I can't make gay jokes? I'm not even doing that. I got criticized for not handling my own life properly in a review by a college girl from Burlington, Vermont. Now, listen to me, honey. I'm old enough to be your mother. I've been around a long time. You got to learn about feminism from me. Now, sure, I've taken a cue or two from the from uh, things I need to learn about, but it wasn't necessarily younger people telling me. It was just smarter people telling me, and they can be any fucking age. Listen to me and listen to me now. Younger people have the benefit of observing uh, all of the waves of feminism. So you've, you're probably more apt to be intersectional at your age than maybe I was at my, when I was in my 20s. What, but it doesn't mean that you're smarter than everybody. It means that you have everything at your fingertips and now you get to be the best version of the thing that we all are trying to be. Like you get to start there, great. But we're all kind of the same. Does that still make sense? We're all learning constantly. It's just that when I kick off about 94 years old, uh, you might end up being smarter when you're 94 because you've lived longer in a more progressive world. But it doesn't mean you're smarter now. And it doesn't mean I'm smarter now, but I'm just saying it kind of works. You guys have it backwards of how progress works. <laughs> you've got to calm down right now. Uh, here, so here's what happened. I told you guys last week that I have that joke about carrying keys and how my mother taught me when I was younger. You carry the keys in your hand so that you can fight back against the men who will attack you. And my joke is, what men? We don't know any, all of them. All men? Well, we don't know. You know, I've been doing that joke for 20 years and it never got laughs because it's too real and it's too dark and men get defensive or whatever the reasons are. It's not because I'm not funny. It's because there's certain subjects. Like, for example, when I first started doing comedy, I would talk at age 22 about how I don't want kids. You think anyone cared what this baby-faced person with all this bravado and who hadn't earned it yet was saying, I don't want kids. They're like, who 
of course we're not taking you seriously. You don't know that you don't want kids. Or maybe you do know, but we don't really believe you until we see you at 44 going, okay, I guess she doesn't want kids. So now, while I've got some gravitas, that joke is way funnier. So when I was younger, when I was living in and doing comedy in the still sexist world of the late 90s, it wasn't setting the world on fire. Then Louis does the joke, man's greatest predator. Woman's greatest predator is man. You know, women who are straight have to date men who men are also the people that kill us. So you don't know which one you're getting until you get in their car and go on a date with them. It's a great joke. And I remember being very jealous when he did it on his special. When you look back on the joke, he doesn't talk about, you know, that he was, <laughs> that he had done some things to some women. Uh, so anyway, that was my point, uh, in this bit I did in Vermont and I've done the bit everywhere else, Brooklyn, uh, lots of Los Angeles, no complaints, no complaints. Um, people have more things on their mind, uh, in, in the bigger cities, I think, than to worry about my act. Um, but like, how can you be offended about something that's literally not your experience. You don't know, Louie. You're like, what are you talking? This girl was, okay. I wish I could just give you the information so that I could make these asides, but they're making no sense without the information. Okay, so Louie's bit. I stopped doing my bit about carrying keys and my mother taught me we don't know who the bad men are. I stopped doing the bit because I'm like, well, Louie's got it covered, you know? Uh, and people, I was still kind of doing the bit and people started being like, you stole that from Louie. And I was like, I didn't steal my own life experience as a woman from Louie. Louie stole our life experience for his bit. But no one was listening to me when I was yelling that in 2008. We weren't there yet. Check my Twitter from those days. Well, check it from 2010, although you can't because I think I deleted everything, but I've been screaming for nine years. Will anyone fucking listen to women when we talk about what it's like to be in the world with you men? Not all men. Who cares? Men. Blah, 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 blah. I've been screaming it for 10 years. And now, finally, people are starting to listen. Not because of me. They're just starting to listen. We got me too. We got this, that. We got times up. We got all the hashtags. Everybody's listening now. Everybody wants in on the game of being a feminist. Right? So. We got Bernie Sanders co-opting feminism. I mean, if, if you guys knew, if you guys just culturally knew, I used to do a bit about how the most sexist people are fucking hippies in the, in the late 90s when I was doing comedy. I, I, I called it 20 years ago, people. This is an elderly man, not being ageist, but there's no way an elderly man is as hip to sexism as, as a woman. It's not possible because he's had the male privilege and the white privilege. Hippies are some of the worst sexists in the world because nobody assumes they're sexist. Oh, he loves the earth. That doesn't mean shit. His hair's long. So what? So what? Okay, people. 
So, but but when you're growing up under under the Bernie Sanders uh, wing of of Vermont, you maybe have a little perfection purity test in you where everything has to be perfect. Right? There's a self-righteousness now. You go, you, you, you're at the University of Vermont. You're in Burlington. And it's, ah, I'm in a, these old, I don't like. Everyone hates older people who loves Bernie Sanders, but they don't hate him. He's fine. He's 30, 40 years older than me. He gets it. I'm establishment. The Gen X person. The Nirvana fan. The corporate rock still sucks fan. Yeah. I'm establishment. Okay. Okay. Tell yourself whatever you need to. I'm fucking losing it today. <laughs> so, woman who does my publicity or did my publicity for this gig, she, she emails me and says, Jen, there's a girl who wants to review your show. Can she get free tickets? I said, sure. I actually don't. I, I said, uh, she can come any night, but Saturday the early show is probably the hardest to get into because it's already sold out. And I think uh, the woman that did my publicity must have somehow handled the tickets. I don't personally remember putting anyone's name in. I didn't follow up. It was very busy. I'm like, oh, I think someone's coming to review the show, which is always weird because America is not necessarily a comedy review culture. We don't review shows here because nobody's – the reason to review a show is it, it's, it's like a Broadway show is because it's going to run for four months and you go, I wonder what – uh, Titanic the musical is like. And so you read a review of it and you go, oh, oh, I see. And then you go see it. You don't review a show after someone's left town. Who gives a fuck? Well, glad you saw it and described it from your point of view. But we, 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 what was it wasted ink for? We can't get tickets. We missed a moment in time. That was a brief weekend stint of shows. Okay. Yeah, you could have, she could have interviewed me, but she didn't ask my publicist for an interview. She didn't ask the club owners for an interview. I'm right there at a small club. She couldn't wait, come find me after. She could have come up to the merch table and been like, I'm a female reporter feminist. And I was really disappointed in your act. Can I talk to you about it? Didn't do that. Does your little brain think that far? Is that what they teach you in journalism school? Don't talk to the subjects. Just wildly pontificate about an older woman's uh, being a comedian, her own experience with sexual harassment, just pontificate on what... Okay, so here's what happened. So I do my bit about the keys. My mom gave me these keys, and you know I have my own ideas about how we can prevent sexual assault on the streets if women do this thing called the windmill, which is running with your arms, <laughs> waving furiously, which is a sad but true bit. But I actually do that when I walk in parking garages. And so I say, sometimes the crowds get a little quiet because it does sound dangerously close to Louis' bit. So I will stop and I will say, and it's part of the bit. It's just to relax buttholes. It's just to relax the buttholes. You know, uh, I don't mean the people that are, are buttholes. I mean, it's to relax everyone's bumhole. Because sometimes you don't want to laugh if someone's stealing someone's bit. You want to not, even if it's Louis' bit. You still want to be respectful to, it's, we don't want to steal comedy. We don't want to support stolen comedy, right? So, I always say, ah, guys, I know this is very close to Louis' bit, but here's the deal. And I explain, I've been doing a bit like this for 20 years, and then Louis did it. And I thought, you know what? I'll stop doing the bit. Louis' already done it. And I said, people thought I was stealing the bit from him then, so I don't want to get... Then I realized, oh, Louis' actually a predator. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? So really, he stole our lives for his bit. I'm taking it back. 
And that's what I say. It just relaxes bum holes everywhere. And then we move on and everyone laughs. And it gets a real cheap applause break. And it's my little way of addressing, yes, I am the girl that has spoken out about Louis C.K. Here I am, live in the flesh. Nope, he never touched me, thank God. He did hurt some people I know in my business. And he was kind of verbally weird to me. Thank you, everyone. Great. Thanks. Nobody wanted to hear about him. We are sick of him. My worth and my act and my personhood does not need to be tied up with him. That is the thing I have been screaming for five fucking years, right? I don't owe anyone a diatribe on Louis C.K. So that's what I did in my bit. And this woman who is a feminist, who doesn't know that my struggle, the past, my struggle, my Hitler, that my, that my issue the past four years has been the media and how they've come after me for not accusing him, for accusing him, for doing this, for the, I mean, it's fucking endless. So she writes a review and I can't even read it to you because I'm going to explode. And I did on Twitter and then I took it down because everyone's like, she's just a kid. She's just a college kid. So what? Oh, just a kid? What is she, four in diapers? She's a fucking grown woman. I'm sure she thinks of herself as an adult. She didn't write that article from the standpoint of a kid. She wrote it as a fucking self-righteous adult. So she wrote everything I just told you about that bit. And she says that I didn't discuss my, and she used the word relationship with Louie. She didn't when you read that and you don't know me, you're like, oh, she dated Louis. Like, relationship? I know everything's a relationship. I have a relationship with my mailman. My coffee cup and I have a relationship. I get it. But that's a fucking weird word to use. There's other words to use. There's other words to use. Her experience with him. Or how about the fact that he verbally assaulted her? How about that he sexually harassed her? Relationship. He was a friend of mine. He sort of inserted himself as a mentor from time to time, but relationship, what? So then she, I'm like, oh, so the title of the piece is Jen Kirkman, Life at 44 and Louis C.K. So once again, somebody has fucked me by making the headline of the review about my comedy about Louis C.K. I mentioned him for 14 seconds in a 70-minute act. Now that's the headline. The picture is not a picture of me on stage at the Vermont Comedy Club, which could be kind of cool. You know, you could have brought a little student photographer with you, you know? He put down the Bernie Sanders sign, pick up a camera, come with me to the club, honey. Take a picture of Jen Kirkman on stage uh, with a big full crowd. It's great press for the local club. Gets the economy going. Oh, establishment woman thinking about the economy. Uh, but instead, it was a picture of me on stage from the San Francisco Comedy Fest in uh, January 2017, where I was asked by Tig to interview her. And it's a picture of me and Tig sitting in big, like, Oprah-style, you know, comfy, let's interview each other chairs. So first of all, I'm not doing stand-up comedy in the picture. I'm with someone else who's not in my act. Uh, Tig and I are not a duo. Uh, oh, God, how funny would that be, though? And uh, and Tig, oh, interestingly, is the woman that kind of kicked off this whole thing where the, the, the true victims of his physical assault came forward. So that's on a little clickbait there. Is that feminist clickbait? So then 
two, she does two paragraphs about how she's disappointed in me as a feminist because I should have taken more time on stage to talk about what Louis C.K. did wrong. In my comedy act? I'm trying to do what I do for a living and move past being associated with Louis C.K. Louis, Louis isn't talking about what he did. Why do I have to talk about it? I'm in trouble now? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God, I want to go into this school and say to the teachers, you're terrible at teaching because this is what this weirdo got out of it. And I want to tell her, you're so wrong. You couldn't be less of a feminist. You have a super, always been a loudmouth feminist since she was 14 standing in front of you who has real life experience in this business with harassment, who can help you and teach you and guide you and tell you exactly why she doesn't spend her very successful comedy career making unfunny speeches about sexual harassment. Now, we all can't be Hannah Gadsby, who, by the way, her special, if you haven't seen it, maybe you've just heard that she talks about sexual assault, is fucking hilarious. It is nonstop jokes. She has toured the world and won comedy festivals for it. But there's a moment where she chooses to talk about her assault because it, it, it reframes a joke that she told five years earlier where she sort of let a punchline become a truth. And the truth was she was assaulted by someone. The, the truth was not as she presented it in the joke five years earlier in the punchline. And she felt she had a responsibility to speak her truth. Well, that's great. But I never made jokes about Louis harassing me that I felt weren't my truth. So I was saying my truth on stage. My truth is my big issue with the Louis thing is the hypocrisy of some of his more feminist bits. So I am not going to care anymore that the bits seem reminiscent of his because they're my life. And I, I said that for about 60 seconds, which is about how long Hannah's serious part of her special is. I mean, hers is longer, but, but you know what I mean? That I did do that. And then I was done. And the most impactful thing I can do is actually be a funny woman in this business, which many women are, but they don't get the opportunity in the crowds that I get. So I am not going to take my opportunity in my crowds and sit there and be unfunny for 10 minutes and talk about sexual assault, which might be triggering to the women in the audience who actually have been survivors of physical assault, which I have not. At least not by Louis. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, why would I do that to my audience, to myself? It's not relevant to anything. I said what I needed to say about him. What I specifically wanted to say was, again, the hypocrisy of his bit. That's it. It's what we were all thinking. So I got out of the way, did a little cleanup so I could continue. I did exactly what she wanted me to do. She just wanted more. But that's not how comedy works. And, and, if, and if, it, if I wanted to, I guess I would have, but I have to have a reason. Um, you know, that's only, it just, she's not correct about what she wanted me to do. And, and she was blaming and shaming me. I mean, she was such a ridiculous person, but the arrogance of writing that and knowing I'm upset and not getting back to me or not reaching out, that arrogance is frightening. It's like watching AI rise up. It's just like, oh my God, they're taking over. <laughs> the young people in the machines are taking, like, Guys, this is why older people make fun of young people. It's shit like that where it's like, you're getting it wrong. You're getting it wrong and you're actually hurting women. 
Like you, you are aping the voice, the contrarian looking for an argument, looking to hate women any way they can. You are aping the voice of the middle-aged daily beast male quote feminist writers. Trust me because they've already done to me what you're now doing. And you think that you are being the most ultra progressive feminist and you're not. But she d- won't listen to me because I'm... I know the real problem is that I did spend a portion of my act making fun of people younger than Gen X. (laughs) Guys, I swear to God, I'm doing a comedy special about Gen X. I don't know where it will be because right now it's not going to be with Netflix. But I got to... We, we, we got to take it back. We got to take shit back. We can, we can save the world. <sighs> There's another thing I want to talk about, but I'm like literally afraid of the person. Um, he's a very famous person that is now a white supremacist. And uh, I always knew he was terrible and he used to harass me online for not wanting kids. And I'm like terrified to go to New York. You know, I'm just like... Who knows what's going on in New York now? With the, I don't even want to talk about it. <sighs> I know why I'm all, all, all craziness. I'm all craziness right now. All right, well, we'll end on a funny story. Uh, what's not that funny? But um, so I'm in the gynecologist's office. Oh, my God. Girls. And I love my gynecologist. She's great. I stopped going to the crazy one. My friend Sarah still goes to her and she will not give her up. And I'm like, this woman is insane. (laughs) Anyway, I've already told my stories about her. So I'm at the new lady and uh, I have a thing. So we had these crazy wins two weeks ago, the Santa Ana wins. And when the winds blow, that is when people start sneezing, as I mentioned before. That's not why I was sneezing, because it wasn't during the winds. But the winds make everything. I'm in a desert, okay, people? So the winds make everything dry, and I get itchy. The outside of my skin just gets itchy during wind stuff. Now, is that an allergy? Yeah, sure, whatever. I'm also very dehydrated. I had just flown back from Vermont. I'd had like a sip of water in 24 hours. And flew on like a six-hour flight. So I just get dehydrated. And then once I'm dehydrated, I'm so not even thirsty. It's like it's like you just lose your sense of thirst, period. So you don't even replenish. So I'm going to bed. I know I'm dehydrated. And I know when I get like that, I wake up itchy. And like my legs itch or my back itches. So like my my like it's like my upper stomach like above the navel and like in between my boobs like itch 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 itch. so I'm I'm like scratching in my sleep and I'm like scratching my back and uh I'm uh you know I was at my acupuncturist office and he was doing a treatment on me. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I'm like, pardon the scratches on my back. It's me scratching myself in my sleep. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. Everyone that's come in, like everyone's skin looks like that because it's just, it's just that dry wind. And if you're dehydrated, he's like, we're going to do a treatment to like deal with the toxicity of the skin. I'm like, sounds good. But the gynecologist I go to, and she asked me a question. Do you feel you need any STD tests this year? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I do not feel I do. I do not feel I need any. Thank you. 
will not be necessary unless someone uh, planted one in my water. I could not have gotten an STD, but thank you. So after that tidbit was dropped, she, you know, she's feeling my breasts. Well, because of breast cancer, she's not like, now I must touch your boobs. <laughs> she's giving me the breast exam, but my, my paper gown is open. And people, if this is turning you on, as I'm sure it is, you know, just take a minute and deep breathe. So she's doing my boob. She looks at like a couple scratches in between my chest. She goes, cat. And I go, a cat? Uh, what? What? And I go, no, I did that. She goes, you did that. I just assumed it was a cat. This has happened to me before at a doctor's office after my divorce when I had a lump on my neck. Remember that whole thing? I said to her, like literally the scratches I had were in places that you could not access unless someone had a shirt off. It wasn't like, oh, I had a V-neck top on. It's like between my boobs and even lower. I'm like, wait, I don't have a cat. But I'm assuming that you think, because I just told you I don't need an STD test for very obvious reasons, that I must be home nude with my cat? She's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, because these scratches are not, like, I'd have to have no shirt on and a cat scratching me. Which is just like, I don't like to be nude around animals. I Maybe, maybe I've, something is weird there on my end, but I just think it's weird to be nude around animals. But, um... You know, I don't know what it is. Also, I wouldn't be afraid to be nude around a cat anyway for the aforementioned possible scratching. But um, I just thought it was such a weird thing to assume that a woman is letting her cat put its paws on her bare breasts and then scratch. (laughs) Like, lady, not everyone who thinks they're not a candidate for an STD this year doesn't mean there's some sad life going on with being naked with cats. It just, it's just the way it is sometimes when you're fighting the patriarchy and working a job and getting over something and, and just not in the, the mood to deal with all that bullshit. You know, this is sometimes how the year looks. But uh, it doesn't mean there was a cat on my bare chest either. You know, we don't have to go to these extremes. Anyway, she seemed confused that I was a little offended, but I was like, you know, I just have to stand up for all of us women who uh, don't have cats, who love cats, but it uh, enough with the women and cats thing. If you have a cat, you don't have a cat, great. Um, anyway, it's like a funny story on paper. It doesn't really have an ending, but luckily the podcast has an ending, and I believe this is the ending of the podcast, except to tell you guys... Guys, Sacramento, I need a giant bump. In. These three things need like giant bumps, like bump it up. Tell a friend if you buy tickets. So far, there's been hundreds of tickets sold overall, and nobody is tagging me. I asked you guys to tag me okay, at Jen Kirkman on Twitter. Please tag me if you have tickets to San Francisco, Sacramento, or San Diego. Both all three coming up in October. I mean, November. Oh, God, no wonder. November 10th and 11th, Sacramento and San Francisco, one night only. Come see me. I'll be selling merchandise after. Personally, we'll be chatting with you. San Diego, just one night. Only seats 200. It's half sold out. Come to that Sunday, November 18th. Signing, selling merch, the whole thing. Super fun. But 
at Jen Kirkman on Twitter. Tag me if you bought tickets. Take a photo. Tell your friends. You guys get the word out. Until next week, have fun.